0: Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. That's... Yeah. They have asked for that, really.
1: Friends are going to the World hope.
0: Get over. This fellow Ronaldo is a cop. Boom, 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 foul. Boom,
1: boom, boom, yellow card.
0: Ah, that's actually a i have to ask you to mind your language. And I suggest
2: you shut up and show more football. Good like I don't draw teacups. It's not my style. I think I'd rather draw
0: punches. What you doing down here, you are surely man? Well, we haven't even kicked off the new Premier League season, but the Community Shield has already reminded us that nobody, nobody does the punishment substitution quite like Jose Mourinho. Owen and Ken here with today's Irish Times Second Captain's football podcast again. Hi, Owen, are you? pretty good, Ken. August 15th, 2015, John Terry's substitution was tactical, says Jose Mourinho, after Chelsea succumbed to Manchester City. The centre-back was withdrawn at the interval at the Etihad Stadium, but according to his manager, he was not nursing an injury. October 5th, 2015, Chelsea boss Jose Mourinho, I was not trying to humiliate Nemanja Matic. He is making mistakes and not playing well. (laughs) Matic came out at half-time and was taken off 27 minutes later. August 7th, 2016, Jose Mourinho insists substitute Juan Mata was fine about being substituted for Manchester United less than half an hour after being brought off the bench. There was also, this is killing me, but I was looking for one older example as well. If anyone can remember, I could have sworn in Mourinho's first stint as Chelsea manager was was it Joe Cole? Yeah, he took Joe Cole. I was I'm Googling sure. the wrong bloody player. I thought it was Robin, and then I thought it might have been Duff. Oh, no, it was, it was, it so was he's, Joe Cole. He's, okay, I should have added that in. Consider that added into this introduction to the show. He really does like humiliating players. Yeah.
2: And it is, it is, uh, you, you, you understand. Jose Jose Mourinho understands how humiliating it is for a player who's come on as a substitute to be substituted or, you know, for a, a big player like Terry to be taken off at halftime after a poor performance <laughs> uh, by the team in general. Um, so when he took off Juan Mata uh, with just a minute or two still to play, um, he knew what he was doing. And you could see that Juan Mata was angry. Now, this is I think the, the, the most interesting thing about this is to watch the reactions of Manchester United fans. Like, what are you talking about? Everything is fine. They explained... He, just I mean explain, he needed he, he needed the extra height. He needed the the, the massive slab of beef represented by Henrik Mikitarian <laughs> to repel that late aerial assault from you know Kasper Schmeichel. He's six foot is isn't he? Mikatarian is is uh, is a man mountain. Uh, eventually chose uh, football over uh, weightlifting. He was in the heavyweight division uh, of of weightlifting. Um, but actually ended up playing football because he just was, was good at that and he could make more money. Uh, six foot eight inches tall, 300 pounds, <laughs> and exactly the man that you want wrestling with, Wes Morgan and Casper Michael, Not like the so, so small Juan Mata. Are they even,
0: is there even any difference in size?
2: There is a Negative. six or seven centimetre difference.
0: Right, Six or seven centimetres?
2: It's a lot, I suppose, when you're at that level. Uh, I mean, if Jose Mourinho was uh, six centimetres taller he'd be almost six feet tall. Uh, <laughs> he is, I suppose, taller than Juan Matter and not quite as tall as Henrik Mkhitaryan. So maybe that's how he gets the impression that Mkhitaryan, who came on, who replaced Mata, uh, is so much more of, a, of an aerial handful. Um, but yeah, I mean, you could see the, the incident. Uh, Rui Faria came over with this very sad, so, so sad face and sort of put his hands on Juan Mata. Oh, one, one. He really, really sad. He looked really sad. Um, and Jose Mourinho came over and he muttered something to Mata, who then froze his face into a rictus grin. Uh, one of the chilliest uh, smiles you'd ever see. Mourinho turned around with this kind of goofy expression, <laughs> uh, sort of. Well, that was a that was a bit awkward, but you know we move on. And uh, and then explained afterwards. Look, he played great. I just knew I was winning one nil. He was talking again about the team in the first person singular. Talks about himself in third person. Talks about <laughs> team in first person singular. I was I, I was winning 1-0, but I knew that there was gonna be this um, you know, aerial onslaught. So I had to take the smallest one. I had to take the smallest one. Uh one Mata being the smallest. So, you know, I mean it's not it's not news that uh M-Mata isn't the most highly valued player at Manchester United under Jose yeah,
0: precisely. if this was Zlatan Ibrahimovic being taken off, you'd think, well, that's a little odd. Mm. But he's, there's obviously some reason for him taking him off. But this is actually a player who he's already bombed out of one club. Yeah. And will probably bomb out of another one.
2: Yeah, I mean, and, and he says, he says, you know, I didn't bomb him out. Uh, Man United just came with a great offer. It made sense for my club at the time to do that deal. He did bomb him out. So, I mean, I, I remember what happened uh, with Juan Mata and Chelsea. Uh, I mean, Juan Mata was Player of the Year in his first two seasons at Chelsea. He was a fantastic player for them. Mourinho's decided, no, I don't, I don't, I don't fancy this guy. Uh, and I think that there are football, you know, there are football reasons for that. You know, Mata is small and slow. Mourinho likes bigger, quicker, more athletic players, even in those creative positions. That's what he prefers. Um, Mkhitaryan isn't. Huge, but he is fast. He's really fast, particularly with the ball at his feet. A different type of player from from Mata. So he did get he he did he didn't fancy him as a as a player. And you know maybe there was links to the previous regime that he didn't approve of. I think that's maybe certainly playing a, a role with the Schweinsteiger situation. You know where, where Schweinsteiger has been properly bombed out of the club in a manner that scandalized scandalized Germany. How could you treat our Basti in this way? Um, but, you know, this is Jose Mourinho's club now, and uh, there's going to be some changes. And I wouldn't be surprised if there was another great offer for one matter from another club at some <laughs> point so
0: quite soon. But well, he is a top player. Dion Fanning is going to be in studio today to chat about the full-on PR war being waged between the FAI and one of Ireland's leading clubs, St. Patrick's Athletic, which started over €5,000 grant which was described by Pats as crumbs from the rich man's table and has since escalated as the two parties exchange cutting statements in the media with the club laying some really, really heavy criticism at the door of the FAI for its approach to the League of Ireland. This is not not ideal for the FAI, considering they should be basking in the glory of their current leading club, Dundalk, being within two games, two legs, of qualifying for the Champions League, but that's where they're at now. We'll get into that after Ken Early's report on sport.
2: So Jose Mourinho dedicated the cha- uh, the Community Shield victory. I wonder when I'll stop saying charity shield. Never. When you um, still say Rumble's Cup. <laughs> it's been it's been a long time now, and I'm getting used to the idea that people count it as a trophy now. I feel that it was Gerard Houllier who started that. I won five trophies you didn't you won Community Shield and Super Cup and three trophies but um, everyone calls it a trophy now including Zatane Ibrahimovic. his 31st collective trophy as he calls it obviously there have been individual awards too uh, he keeps a careful count um, but it is a first trophy for Jose Mourinho he dedicated it to eight persons as he put it seven unselected Manchester United players who, stay, who, who weren't in the squad he wanted to recognise them for the role they played in preparing the site and also to another person Louis van Hal. without whose work we wouldn't be here uh, I was almost reminded of Steve Staunton uh, as he defended himself one time with the immortal line I wouldn't have been here if the past had been better mm-hmm. uh, in a sense that's true Of in a sense that's also true of Jose Mourinho at Manchester United um, but thanks to Louis van Gaal winning the FA Cup Nuvann um, Hall's team, team winning the FA Cup. Jose Mourinho's team gets to win the Community Shield. Um, I Always with Mourinho, though, I'm thinking to myself, this is because Rafael Benitez won the Club World Championship, isn't it? This is because of the Club World Championship that Inter won that you're making this point. You know, Inter obviously wouldn't have won it without a yeah. certain somebody winning the treble beforehand. I, I don't know. I mean, but it it, it is a, a point that does does reflect, I suppose, glory on that uh, six-year-old achievement uh, from Mourinho. But, I mean, it was an interesting game to watch. Uh, the champions of last season against a side that uh, is expected to be transformed this season. And for most of the game wasn't really. Uh, a lot of similarities, I guess, with the Van Hal team um, struggling to create chances, moving ball around slowly, vulnerable on the counter. Leicester looked... Uh, quick on the counter, I mean, I've it uh, looks to be a good signing for them, uh, in terms of they've now got, I mean, Gray, Fardy, and Musa in the second half, all three of them with absolutely blistering speed, um, and they fought back into the game quite well, I mean, it needed a mistake from Fellaini to to uh, give them the equalizing goal, um, but, you know, they, it, it wasn't a, a sort of uh, total ineptitude from Leicester, and, um, Ultimately, Manchester United won the game through a goal that they wouldn't have scored last season. This is a stick, cross on a header. Stick it into the box and the big lad gets the they might, have, they
0: might have scored it a couple of seasons previously when Moisey was there.
2: Well, they might have, although I can't remember the big lad. I mean, they had Robin van Persie then. Um, I don't think he was scoring too many of that type of goal. Um, so this is what Mourinho has added. And Mourinho was making this exact point after the game. Uh, it's something we have to change. The profile of this team was more about possession of the ball. So this is Luggenhals' philosophy. So after thanking him for getting them to this point, he's now scrubbing out all the vestiges of Hal's philosophy. Even arriving in crossing positions, the team normally plays back again and tries to change to the other side. We are trying to change. The second goal is a great example of that. So Zlatan has has added at least this dimension. He, He didn't have a terrific game. He missed one simple chance, didn't have too many touches, was... Struggling to influence the game in a meaningful way, but then properly outmusled Wes Morgan to score this uh, to score this goal, and I imagine it's the kind of goal that he can score quite a few of this season uh, if he stays fit. Um, so yeah, I mean that's we can see a change there. We could also see a change in Leicester. I thought because uh, I mean number one there was Wes Morgan beaten on both goals that they conceded and that's just the kind of thing that wasn't happening last season. I think,
0: you know, as you were describing that Zlatan goal that's, that, that's what popped into my head that it, it was amazing and they did have to withstand there were a lot of games where there were balls being bombed in and you were just thinking these guys aren't going to make any mistakes at the back they were just so solid and Morgan was playing like I don't know like John Terry at his best.
2: There were two goals that they conceded that they would not have conceded last year. Mm-hmm. Morgan being beaten you know he was in inspired form last season nobody can really sustain that uh, maybe we're about to see a bit more of a regression to what well, you know to Morgan's true level, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, this season, I mean, maybe you know, maybe he just started the season a little shakily. But the, uh, the goal, the types of goals they didn't let in were crosses, you know, basic crosses from the wing and headers from the six-yard line. They were the kind of situations that would defend. But the first goal, I think, was even more telling because the first goal was Man United just tore straight through the middle. That didn't happen at all to Leicester, apart from on one occasion last season. It was one goal that they let in the league that was like that. And it was the West Brom goal um, by Salomon Rondon. They drew 2-2 at West Brom at the start of March. And uh, Rondon scored a goal where Fletcher got the ball in midfield. Nobody near him. Passed it through. Straight ball. Rondon run, runs in. Goal. Uh, and it was. I remember it really stuck in my mind at the time because it was like, this. this is... Lester don't let in this goal. But the reason they let it in was because Kante wasn't playing. Mm. That was the only game he was missing for. It. He was injured. Remember, he got like a hamstring injury and recovered after one game. Um, when you don't have Kante, suddenly vulnerabilities exist that didn't exist before. Andy King was the guy he was playing in Kante's place. And he was the guy you saw diving in at Lingard's feet. When Lingard just let the ball run past, King dived in suddenly there's all this space in front of Lingard and he accepts the invitation to run into it. Now, Lingard managed to beat a couple of other guys. It may seem, what are you saying? This is King's fault. Um, you know, the, he, he beats kind of two more, well, one half challenge and then manages to effectively nutmeg Morgan on the edge of the box and then finish. You know, a lot happens between that and the goal. But no, the, the confusion, the, the whole situation is created by King's mistake and Kante never did that. And that's why Leicester, I think, are going to have some problems this season. Uh, they do have Mendy, uh, who came on towards the end. They've bought a player who looks similar to Kante, and they're really hoping that he plays a little bit like him as well. Because if they're relying on Andy King, then they're going to concede more of those types of goals than they're, than they're used to.
0: Jurgen Klopp made a bit of a statement this weekend.
2: Well, Jurgen Klopp has had a, quite an interesting weekend. Um, first of all, Liverpool beat Barcelona 4-0 at Wembley in the International Champions Cup. With all the usual caveats, uh, a Barcelona team that I wouldn't say was right at the top of, of, <laughs> of where they need to be going this season. I think maybe they've got a little bit of improvement still to go. Although I would say that it was it was a bit weird looking at Barcelona without Dani Alves and their team. Um, Dani Alves is now at Juventus. Uh, and we're kind of so used to him. He's been a, It was a decade at Barcelona. So used to seeing him there. And... Um, and to and to see a team suddenly without him I'm thinking oh
0: the even the, it's it's they look a lot weaker. Although funny it was if anything if you're talking about defensive solidity and conceding four goals that was never necessarily seen perhaps unfairly, it wasn't seen as Alves' forte and in his earlier days i think there were you know, there was suggestions that this guy yeah he's a bit of a fancy dan going forward all right but does he really have it at the back? I don't know if that was ever fair. It often happens. Any attacking full-back, you tend to assume, well, if they're attacking that much, they mustn't be defending very much.
2: Well, Alves was usually the furthest forward Barcelona player, so he was an unusual type of defender. I mean, <laughs> if you look at their <laughs> average positions in, in in a given game, it's usually Alves who's furthest forward. Um, he did have a, a great uh, ability to... He, he understood where to play the ball in an attack. He understood... Um, uh, you know, where to cross the ball into the penalty area. He was he was a very creative player in, in these ways. But what he also was is a phenomenal athlete. who was able to get back and forth. Um, there just aren't many guys like that. Um, you know, whatever about his defensive flaws, and it wasn't as though, you know, like, sure, Danny Alves could have been like Tony Hibbert and stayed in his own half and concentrated on defending. And you never would have heard of Danny Alves. Mm. And he wouldn't have won all these trophy, trophies at the... At Barcelona, I mean, if you play a risky game, you are sometimes going to get caught out. That's the nature of risk. Uh, but I think, generally speaking, it paid off positively for his team. You know, vastly, overwhelmingly, he made a positive contribution to his team. He's going to be a tough player for them to replace.
0: Probably could have been a good stopper right back if he wanted to be as well. If he did want to play that Tony Hibbert role, I'd say he could have done it reasonably well.
2: Could have been. Quite a,
0: quite, a, quite an athletic uh, Fancy Blair.
2: Could have been, but he was capable of a lot more, and he, he ended up bringing a lot more um, to his team and winning a lot more trophies as a result. But, you know, um, but as for Liverpool, you can see uh, they've, I mean, they scored four goals, three of them off uh, counterattacks, quick counterattacks, and you can see the uh, effect that having players like Mane and uh, you know, added to players like Firmino is going to have in the in the team, I mean, Klopp talked about this a couple of weeks ago in terms of we need to have players who to whom it's natural that they arrive into the box. And this is what his type of football is really all about. I thought this was quite an interesting contrast, actually, with uh, what Mourinho was saying about Zlatan. Mourinho was saying um, that once we become more dominant and we're playing closer to goal, that's when Zlatan is going to... You'll see Zlatan score a lot of goals. He says Zlatan isn't a fast player... You know who can uh, to, to play fifty meters away from the box like where Vardy can be dangerous. So basically, he's not dangerous if he's that far away from goal. But if he's in the box, he will be dangerous. Um, so that's kind of it's a different sort of idea. I mean, I was thinking back. Zlatan obviously is a player who <laughs> Zatan after this game was saying this is the biggest club I've ever played for. Only Milan comes close. And you think, well, there's Juventus and Barcelona, <laughs> but he he kind of left both of those. Clubs on bad terms, so he doesn't think they're that big. Um, But at at Barcelona, obviously, he had the big problem with Guardiola. Guardiola's thing about players in the box is anyone can arrive in the box. You know, even Dani Alves, more times than anyone, you know, my right back. I don't care if it's the right back. Anyone can arrive in the box, but no one can stand in the box. Nobody is allowed to do that. Um, That's what Zlatan wants to do. Um, But that's not what... uh, that's evidently not what uh, Man City will be doing this season, and by the looks of it, it's not what Liverpool will be doing either. I mean, once again, it was um, Roberto Firmino was a, was a centre forward, and Firmino was not a centre forward at all. Playing without a striker, they're just playing with a lot of guys who can get from the halfway line into the box in, in you know a couple of seconds. Um, this is what the uh, this is what the style of play is going to be. As to how long they can sustain that type of intense play, um, they're already getting injuries. You know, they went and played a game in Mainz the next day and lost 4-0, using many of the same players who had played. No, nobody played in 90 minutes, but those of the guys who had been on the field in at Wembley were then playing against Mainz the next day, losing 4-0. And Grujic, the midfielder who scored the fourth goal against Barcelona, got injured. So it's it's like, oh, well,
0: what do you... How can you possibly think that that's a good idea? But wasn't this going to be the season... The, the season where Klopp had a full preseason with his team and therefore be able to get their fitness levels up to the point required of his pretty high physical standards.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, that's that's the, they've been doing you know triple sessions and all that sort of stuff. Uh, everyone's supposedly uh, very fit, but if the players are tired, then they're going to get injured. It doesn't really matter how fit they are, and that's just the way that it, that it works. Um, so uh, it's, strange. it's a strange sort of situation. I have no idea why they ultimately... I mean, the Mainz uh, friendly was, I think, to do with the transfer of Loris Karius, the goalkeeper who's now injured, injured with a broken hand. Um, but part of his transfer from Mainz to Liverpool, that they, that's the reason they were doing that. And then this Barcelona game, the Champions Cup, so obviously they had a bit of a fixture problem and they agreed to do both. I don't know why they didn't just play a couple more U-team players. Um, but the other thing that happened was um, Klopp in the press conference after the Barcelona game, refusing to speak to the Sun. Uh, There was a question from a Sun reporter. Klopp just cut him off and said, I don't talk to the Sun anymore. And your initial reaction is, is Klopp just... Klopp is... Obviously, the Sun's history at Liverpool, not good. And Klopp, is he playing to the gallery a little bit? But no, he said it's to do with something that's happening over the next few days or a few weeks. He referred to an actual, it sounded as though it was a story. Now, uh, you know, (laughs) nobody, nobody actually really knows what this is, but you can see a few different stories. There was, for instance, a story about Dejan Lovren's personal life. Um, He's had some issues in his marriage uh, over the weekend. Was this it? Was there another type, such type of story involving another player? Or maybe involving Klopp himself? Who really knows? But one way or the other, he says he's not going to talk to them anymore. So I guess uh, you might find <laughs> once once the manager decides to, to treat a particular newspaper that way, you can imagine that the newspaper starts to take a slightly dim review of that manager. Um, so if you are a Jurgen Klopp fan, the Sun may be not the newspaper uh, to be following his career over the, <laughs> over the next few months because you might be reading things that annoy you.
0: That's Rob Kennedy's report on sport. Bifa made a movie recently, didn't uh, they?
2: John Delaney could run anything They did, they did, actually About themselves? Yeah, about themselves Oh, that's ego, isn't it? He could run FIFA Certainly better than Saab Blatter Yeah, that is, that's incredible ego But the real movie's on its way well, Yeah, I'm off to see the Queen tomorrow too Don't forget
1: that No, 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 no. In 2009,
2: I called him an embarrassment to FIFA and An embarrassment to himself And I, I said it to him across the table Just like I'm talking to you we one or two excuses. He said, no one speaks to me like that
0: and you said? And I said, what I do? And
2: that was it. it we to two expletives. And I just asked him to move on. It was an extraordinary moment. She, she was here to tell you. Just stared at her for seven or seconds. And I said, move on now, please. And then he moved. When I went in and told him how I felt about him, uh-huh. there was some expletive views, we came to an, an agreement. It's a very good agreement, yeah, for <laughs> and you've used the figure there. Well done to you. Yeah.
0: This should be a happy time for the FAI after a good showing at the Euros and a particularly great week for Irish football with Dundalk qualifying for the final phase of the qualifiers for the group stages of the Champions League. But... It's actually turned into well, certainly the last few days have turned into a PR firefight, but long emails bouncing back and forth between them and clubs, specifically with uh, between them and Saint Pat's. Dion Fanning is here in studio to talk about this. Dion, how are things? Hey on, how's it going? The issue's gone pretty well. I mean, the issue surrounds this five thousand euro payment that, that the League of Ireland clubs were set to receive from the FAI. Derry City initially, and then Saint Pat's followed suit by uh, politely <laughs> turning down the five thousand euro. They seem to. Um, I think it was, uh, it was a lot less than they should be getting and there were other questions att- attached to that. But maybe, first of all, tell us, what, what was the five grand all about? What were the clubs supposed to be doing with that?
1: This was part of, uh, as, as the FAI put it, it's um, you know, to g- help each club develop a strategic business plan. Uh, this, is, this, is a, this is a starting point. You won't get anywhere without having a strategic business plan. And this was agreed that this would be what they've called the first step Uh, Now, whether that got lost or whether there is skepticism about how many more steps there's going to be, there are going to be. Now, I I talked to Frank Gavin yesterday. Of the FAI. Of of the uh, FAI, the Director of Competitions. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said there will be further steps. But, you know, there's no suggestion of that we're going to ring fence a certain amount of money for these further steps. You can't say how much money will be required after this. So I think uh, when it came out that this was, uh, you know, five grand per club, uh, Twenty quid a week or whatever you know, whatever it works out as, um, it was seen as uh, a further sign of dismissive attitude within the FAI towards towards the League of Ireland. But the FAI reject that. They think that, you know we we're we're we're, uh, we're, very, we're committed to building the league and all this. And I think in the context of what Dundalk have achieved, I think there is a sense that you know people could there could be so much more uh, so much more as possible for the League of Ireland if the people who have a duty to support it, supported it. Now, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, in my def- I'm not a League of Ireland person, you know. Mm. I've, been in, I've been in England for 20 years, so that's my only defense. But I'm not a League of Ireland person. League of Ireland people tend to, some the more militants tend to think everyone should be, you know, has a duty to support them. Mm. The only people who really have a duty to support them are the FAI. Everybody else is making choices, and it's up to the League. To kind of make them the choice of football fans, uh, for and, and whatever reason, for whatever reason that's not happening. But the FAI do have a duty. In that context, this money was seen as a, as a sort of uh, dismissive addu- dismissive uh, sum. The, and then Derry and Pat's came out and rejected. And Pat's, in very forceful terms, not once but twice, have issued very strong statements, which I think are much more significant ultimately than just. Uh, just rejecting this money, I think there's a, there's a there's a there's a there's a huge significance in what St. Pat's have done. I think uh, if anyone knows uh, how St. Pat's are run, who 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 owns St. Patrick's Athletic, you know, uh, they'll 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 think right. This is this is this is you know, a club run by owned by Garrett Kelleher, who was one of the people the FAI thanked when they got a debt write down. And if for 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 you know St. Pat's. I, I really doubt they would have issued two statements of this severity without, you know, uh, you know, without the okay of the owner. Mm. So that 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 is a significant development, and uh, I think that, that that's that's something which suggests that the frustration that League of Ireland people feel, uh, they're they're kind of not gonna not gonna take it anymore. Well, let's have a look at this second statement
2: that St. Pat's put out. So so essentially the the timeline is: Derry said we we don't want your five grand. You know, it's ridiculous. St. Pat's put out a similar statement. Then there was a long email from the FAI, which was sent out to the media, uh, like a statement that was sent out, a long email.
1: Well, it's um, quite funny because the FAI are saying, you know, we have processes. One of the things I asked Frank Gavin about yesterday was fining F- finding clubs for uh, bringing the game into disrepute, mm. which can also include, like, you know, speaking ill of the FAI. Uh, yeah. And now they have entered into a very public uh, slanging match. Yeah, you know, to use the cliche. With, so do you, with,
0: yeah, do you want to go into just into what the response was? Well, well, well. The, the, sorry, the,
2: FAI, the FAI's statement that was um, that was on uh, on Saturday. Do you want do you want to hear the the gist of that? Just the gist, yeah. The gist is the gist of that was essentially that after, this
0: is after Pat had refused the, uh, the
2: FAI thing. expresses extreme disappointment with the St. Patrick's Athletic statement. That's that's the title of the email. Um, blah blah. We're, you know, we're very disappointed. Um, the decision by the club to refuse the payment which will help to roadmap a financially strategic and rooted community structure, is all the more astonishing, given that St. Patrick's Athletic were one of the clubs who agreed to the process in the first place. So they make the point that, uh, you know, there was a meeting. uh, Frank Kinsella of St. Pat's was one of the three club representatives, along with barrister, Michael Cush, who represented the Premier Clubs Association, PCA, uh, who represent all of the clubs, at a meeting with the FAI in Clonmel on August 27th. Uh, at that meeting, it was agreed a hundred thousand grant program for strategic business planning to be put in place for all league clubs. Blah blah blah. So essentially, uh, they say at no point during this meeting did Frank Kinsella, as a representative of the PCA or Saint Patrick's Athletic, voice his disapproval to the plan, and was in fact enthusiastic about the process. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of saying this is this is hypocritical. You know why you didn't? There wasn't a peep out of you when we were talking about it in the meeting. Now suddenly. Um, this is a big. Certainly, uh, no, this is a big problem. The association believes St Patrick's Athletic statement is extremely divisive and utterly dismissive towards smaller clubs. Um, so there you go. Uh, Frank Gavin also said it was extremely confusing. It's extraordinary given the club's representative was one of the architects in agreeing the funding initiative in the first place. At no point did Frank Kinsey speak on behalf of himself or his club to voice concerns. This is extremely confusing and quite frustrating, etc. etc. So only a couple of hours later, there's a statement from St. Pat's, another quite long statement, uh, and this makes a couple of interesting points. I'll go to the last paragraph of it first, because th- this is this is kind of um, a little swipe they're having at the FAI. Basically, the, they're saying this FAI statement said, it was, oh, it's ironic, or, or it's rather, it's, it's ex- extraordinary that uh, a representative from our club, our general manager, uh, would be at this meeting and not say anything, and then... Then changes tune. Apparently, you know, you agreed to it in the meeting. You didn't say, you didn't point to any concerns, and now suddenly your club has out a statement saying this isn't good enough. Uh, Well, they say, uh, Saint Pats say, "Um, this is the great irony of the FAI's prior. What prevails with the FAI is an approach whereby it decides everything and where it dictates policy with the occasional PR flurry to try and create a public image that its senior executives are committed to change and to improvement. Okay. They say, this is a great irony of its primary criticism of last night's statement by the club. When our GM brought the FAI proposal to the board for review and it decided not to accept it and announced that decision, the FAI chooses to paint that as an extraordinary outcome. The GM behaves absolutely appropriately. And if the FAI considers a process where an executive brings proposals to his board for discussion and decision as extraordinary, then that is a reflection on the way in which the FAI conducts its business, not on St. Patrick's Athletic. So they're basically saying, of course he brought it to us and we talked about it and we decided it wasn't for us. We're not a dictatorship. Unlike maybe some other institutions. And this seems to be what St. Uh, St. Pat's are, are going for. But it's not. that's not the only thing in this statement. There's also, um, well, I, I think maybe the the what their big grievance is, is they don't know how much money the FAI has. There's no transparency about the FAI finances. So they're saying that they want... Uh, Okay, essentially, the Board of St. Pat's agreed to continue to engage with the PTA um, based around further clarity in areas such as transparency on revenue received by the FAI on behalf of the league from UEFA, FIFA, sponsorship, government, municipalities, etc. The rationale deployed in deciding policy and TV coverage, match selection, timings, revenue, etc. A breakdown of the annual running costs of the league and the basis for the league affiliation fees. Further clarity on income streams used by the FAI to support running the league. Major sponsorship sums, cup gates, Etc. And also fines. They're not too happy about the issue of fines. Which uh, agreed to look at the participation agreement issues and the level of fines and the use of those fines. So all of these things to do with financial transparency. How much money is actually involved here? Where is where is the money? How much of it is there? And you know what's going on? Why 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 don't the clubs know more about
0: this? It is incredible. I mean, that's a huge thing for one of the leading clubs in the country to have a pop like this at its association. Um, and, and as you say, I don't know if it's a spirit of rebe- rebelliousness or what it is, but they've fairly laid it on thick there.
1: Yeah, and, uh, like I think one of the leading clubs, but I, I uh, as again to go back, I think the context won't have been lost on anybody, uh, you know, who owns that club. And, uh, you know, the, the FAI might feel that, that, that this is more significant or, or this, this, is, this is a significant player. Somebody, as I said, was involved in helping them get a, a debt write off, uh, was thanked for, for that. Was happy to play his part. Talked at that stage about his great respect for for John Delaney. Is um, now you say that that club is now issuing a statement saying that the way the FAI do business isn't the way this is you know this is the way they do business this isn't the way they think business should be done, uh, and that is the significant thing. And if you ask and like the the talk about about you, I asked Frank Gavin yesterday is John Delaney's salary. A factor in the discontent is this fact, you know, is this massive salary uh, that John Delaney gets something that is going to and, and, you know, again, so I can't comment on mm-hmm. anything anybody gets. But clearly it is a factor. Uh, clearly, the way the FAI is run uh, irritates and annoys a lot of people. And so much of it comes back to John Delaney and um, the need for him basically to, to no longer be chief executive of the FAI. Like is that is the, that is the, that is the problem. He, he is the problem. He is the person who was, you know, in all all the recent, uh, you know, going back to the, the 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 money from FIFA, various things like that. You know, he is he is he is the guy who you say right. What what, what what's 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 that, what what's that all about? Like the uh, the, the singing, the, you know, the, the singing of the song. All these all these kind of things that come back to him. And I think then the League of Ireland having their own very their own specific. Uh, 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 resentments about how the, they they have been treated. Again, St. Pat's lay it out there in in such clarity that I think the FAI would be be pretty uncomfortable with it because they're like, where where is this money? And you're, you know, you're taking fi- like that loan got fined a thousand euro for not fulfilling a fixture when they're they're on the brink of you know going out of business. Like, what's the point? What's the point in doing that? John
0: Delaney is also the guy who has enough of an ability to form relationships with influential people that he can get Dennis O'Brien on board to fund our managerial dream team that got us to the Euros, Dion? Uh is that which is one of the main aims, surely, of Irish football to get to these major championships. Is that is that not enough in his credit column, do you think? Uh
1: no. Um I don't think so. I don't think uh I think if the FAI can't afford to pay a manager salary, they should get a manager that they can afford to pay. I think that's they can they can afford I think that's the way it should be. Um I, I don't I don't uh, uh, I think that's, um, you know, Martin O'Neill has done, done quite a good job as Ireland manager. Um, but who's to say you wouldn't get, a man, you know, if this goes back to our conversation a few weeks ago about international football and international management. I, I think uh, <laughs> you would like that, you know, maybe they could produce managers of their own in the future. Maybe the League of maybe Stephen Kenny could be an Ireland manager. Uh, like it doesn't have to be um some guy who's pay you know who who you know without without the contribution of Dennis O'Brien the F A I couldn't afford to get. Like I I don't I don't know and I don't know how that how that works for the development of Irish football. Like maybe we'll see we we'll see some great dividends from our reasonably okay European championships, which were just okay really, you know. Uh I maybe we'll see a great dividend from that. But uh it would be better if 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 and this is not just. This is not the League of Ireland's failure, isn't the FAI can't fix the League of Ireland tomorrow. There are so many things that are, are wrong. But uh, it would, in an ideal world, which may, may never happen, a functioning, successful, thriving domestic league would be much more beneficial to Irish football and to the national team than than anything else. What about
0: the FAI's basic point uh, about about this that the Saint Pat's representative was at the meeting? And didn't voice his opposition then.
1: Well, the, is, the, is that
0: I mean, is, Saint Pat's have answered that in, in terms of? I, I, is that a satisfactory enough answer from Saint Pat's? Well, there's, there's, there's. Should, should you not be in those meetings fighting you, fighting your corner and voicing your concerns? Well, at I, don't, that time? I don't,
2: I don't know what happened at this meeting or how it, how it arose or how much uh, foreknowledge there was of what was going to come up. I don't know that, um, but it does. I mean, Saint Pat's. Uh, response to that point seems reasonable to me. You know, he presents it. He comes back, presents it to his board, and they say this isn't good. Or they talk about it and decide it's it's no good, or decide that their interests are better advanced by doing things the way that they have. I mean, <laughs> it's not a huge it's not a huge amount of money really to sacrifice. I mean that they, they, they've made points like, I mean, listen to this, right? Uh, All clubs are beholden to the association, which has utterly failed to create a suitable environment which is a sustainable, commercially sound league, which would nurture young talent and generate public support. It is 10 years since the association took control of the League of Ireland. In that time, it has displayed nothing approaching leadership. I mean, that's, you know, if you're John Delaney.
1: He's out in Rio.
2: Yeah. <laughs> He's out in Rio.
1: <laughs> a, you know, doing his duty, doing his duty for Ireland. This is the last thing he needs. When you're trying to get to the uh, dressage.
2: <laughs> 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 and, and and now that stripes are being torn off you like this, uh, back at, by the revolutionary uh, masses back home. <laughs> this is this is really uh, not going to improve his Olympic buzz uh, in any sense. But I mean, you know, John John Delaney has been running the the FAI for that entire time. You know that, that they're talking about nothing approaching leadership.
0: Utterly failed. It's strong language. It does sound like you think this. It, it is significant, though. I to, think it is to, to wrap it up because it's not just a case of one of uh, a personality clash between people. You know, between the person running the, you know, a couple of
1: people high up in Irish football It's more than that. Look, uh, um, I, I just realized I've been. I've GA talk has rubbed off me. I'm starting sentences with look, <sighs> um, but uh, I. Uh, Like I talked to you know having talked to Frank Gavin the FAI point of view just to put it there is that they would have accepted if Pat had said we have to go back and talk to you know our board they would have accepted that that was not the understanding they conducted the meeting under which is why they described it as extraordinary they also say that this isn't all the clubs Mm. that they have got support from other clubs that this is you know an isolated enough uh, revolt if you like but I, I, I I I wouldn't say like does any. I think I think the general mood among League of Ireland uh, um, people wouldn't wouldn't reflect that. I think the sort of sense of dissatisfaction would be would be more widespread. Maybe the clubs will agree to it, uh, and there are clubs who are happy with this. And if it was a first step, that would be you know that would be okay. Like it would be like in the very narrow. Uh, uh, definition of what this is for, is, is for you would think right that's not a bad first step if you then said right now there's another 2 million euro we've re- ring fenced for the League of Ireland once this, is, once this process is completed here's the 2 million that we'll now then look or whatever sum to kind of to improve the League but there, that's not there will be other steps but no, there are no guarantees so in the, the way the Pat statement puts it like in that context you to kind of think well what's, what is the next step What are the FAI going to do apart from, uh, you know, little PR initiatives? Um, So I do think it's, uh, I think it's it's, going to be interesting how it plays out. And um, like what, this is the, again, with all things involving John Delaney, what appetite there is for people to actually enforce change. Like, you know, as I've been on here before and talked about, written it, like he, 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 Ireland, Irish football needs a new chief executive. Uh, and um, like whether that, you know, whether this will be the tipping point, I don't know. But uh, like that's, you know, been, been been clear for a long time. I mean, you know, you you mentioned P.
2: there. I, I think one of John Delaney's uh, let's say P. own goals on this issue was, you know, famous one a couple of years ago when he was talking to Hugh Cahill and he described the League of Ireland as a difficult child. Mm. such a bizarre phrase. Yeah, and
0: and that that doesn't get forgotten, particularly by League of Ireland fans, because when when Dundalk were congratulated by the FAI for um, their contribution for qualifying for the Champions League, that's, of course, thrown straight back. uh, That's what everyone everyone is tweeting and going, oh, come on, the problem child. We're we're a difficult child. We're a difficult
2: child, yeah. But, um, I mean, there was no... I I don't really understand what he meant. I mean, the difficult child, do you... Take special measures to help the child out. Do you put the, like the child in the attic and feed it on fish heads? What, what's the appropriate <laughs> response? I mean, the FAI did did seem it, it it does seem to. I think it's fair enough to say that the international team is is the kind of golden child in yeah. in the FAI family. Yeah, and right, boy. Uh, the 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 international team has been has been uh, making money for the FAI recently. I mean, there's 11 million euros supposedly from the from the European Championships and, you know, it, it is the highest profile element of uh, of Irish football. But when you look at Dundalk, who have already made nearly 7 million mm. euros, um, you know, guaranteed from from what they've done in Europe so far and could make, you know, an, an almost, and for Irish football an untold sum if they manage to beat the Warsaw. Um, are the priorities wrong here? Because the international team gets to qualify for the european championships at most once every four years this champions league thing can happen every single year does it sort of a chance or the europa league is you know where the six or seven million euros are kind of guaranteed for dundalk already um might this actually be the sort of area that the fai should be prioritizing at this point from a purely financial point of view
1: um you would think so if you could get to the like if it can be you you can get to this stage because you know there is money clearly all the money most most of the money is in club football is in, in especially if you can get to the champions league um and uh it's it's probably but again it's a harder thing to do because there are lots of you know and i understand the frustrations of league of ireland people i understand that when something like this happens i think well, why aren't you talking about this all the time and we enjoyed league of ireland and uh I, I personally think it's a the wrong the, when it strays into that kind of resentful of it 's a wrong way to kind of get people to go to it, like you know people saying oh you know you 're going to be there now and in for for this game, where were you in uh, yeah. like that's that's that 's life you know people make people uh, um people make choices like I always think you, you can 't kind of uninvent television you know like which is sometimes when you when you hear people talking, you kind of think that would be like let 's put a lock on television. Uh, but it would be in an ideal world if the FAI did more if there was a way of getting clubs close to this point every year and you know into the Europa if you could get clubs every, if clubs could hope to get into Europa League group stages every year that's or every second year or every so enormous, often yeah. it would be an enormous thing and it would surely have uh, a benefit you know t- towards the the attractiveness of the league getting people to go to the league which is the only thing ultimately um which is going to really make a change is if people if people go to it in in some kind of numbers that it it uh that it improves the quality and then you get you know and and everything flows from that so um the money would would make it would make a massive difference i don't know uh i don't know why the fai uh, like the clubs are you know there's many different clubs and many different agendas they would say but i don't know why they don't don't see that as the uh the money spinning or the, the place where they can go and get revenue you know whether they feel what the what the clubs will do with the money is something that they don't have uh, enough power over I don't know but um, uh, it would clearly be a, a benefit to the clubs in the League of Ireland and the FAI ultimately if they could can achieve something like Dundalk have this year every year
0: yeah absolutely Dion Fanning Sports Show thanks so much cheers lads Words really, I'm, I'm over the moon. Emotional, it's it's unbelievable. It's Stuttgart. It's New Jersey. They're all rolled into one. Another big big scalp when it was needed most. Leon, here we go <laughs> A ton of great stuff in our other podcast that we have out today. There's a plenty of Olympics chat in there. We also talked to Ush McCombell and Carl Mannion about the wins with Dublin and Mayo in the All Ireland quarterfinals and an incredible All Ireland hurling semi final. Uh, was uh, will feature pretty heavily in that as well. So do have a listen if you have time at any stage today. But we mentioned Tony Hibbert earlier, again. You wanted to bring him back up.
2: Poor Tony Hibbert. It's a sad, st- sad, sad story, On, Go on. Um, Joe Bernstein had this story, I think, in the mail. But it was just... <laughs> How long has Tony Hibbert been at Everton? 25 years, on. It's a long time. And of course, he's not there anymore. They released him. Uh, but he only found out from the website. <laughs> he says, I mean, I'm, I'm laughing. I, I, it's not funny. It's not, it's not funny.
0: I'm not laughing. This sounds awful. Uh,
2: I was informed by my dad and brother when my wife, Samantha, rang to say she'd been getting text messages from friends that I wasn't being retained. It was on the website. I couldn't believe it. So I rang a friend of the club to check. They said, Tony, I honestly don't know why nobody's spoken to you. I contacted Leon, that's Leon Osman. He was in exactly the same boat. He was also released and found out from the website after sixteen years. Uh I think it was sixteen years for him and twenty-five for Herbert. I won't tell a lie. I was really hurt. <laughs> Tony Herbert. I mean this is incredible. This is a this is a story. Any any uh, fan who ever complains about a player not showing loyalty needs to remember this story. This is where loyalty ultimately gets you. Good, faithful and loyal servant Tony Herbert. Oh, he's all used up. He's a useless husk now. Discard him uh, and don't even bother to tell him uh, that he is being sacked. Listen to this heart-rending account of Tony Hibbert's loyalty. He says, every contract I had at Everton, I never questioned it or demanded more money. Oh, God. I've never kicked up a storm, even as a kid. Um, This is why uh, players who are kicking off and demanding more money need to (laughs) sometimes be given a little bit of a break. This is what happens to them when they don't. If you uh, if you are the kind of faithful uh, player who never rocks the boat and just accepts what you're given, this is the way that you will ultimately be treated by the club. Hibbert does say that he thinks the ever, nature of Everton has changed uh, he, since David Moiseff. Since David Moiseff, I noticed the club hasn't got this same feeling. The People's Club, it's no longer that. It's a ruthless, horrible business. A lot of good people have gone. It's a dog-eat-dog culture now. People are only looking out for themselves. Um... Yeah, I mean, I suppose that's a kind of embittered ex-pro. But uh, a good way to avoid uh, bitterness is to uh, <laughs> stand up for yourself. Forget loyalty. Loyalty is uh, is, a delu- is a delusion. And, uh, you know, make hay while well the sun shines.
0: We'll leave you with <laughs> that manifold uh, piece of advice, Ken Early. Thank you.
2: Thank you too. Aaron. Thanks
0: very much for listening. Follow us on Twitter at Second Captains and uh, Facebook.com forward slash Second Captains. Talk to you soon.
2: Uh, that's the second time it's done, huh? They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, Those. those.